Hey guys, welcome to the Change Up Podcast. Josh and Chad here. This is where we talk about culturally relevant topics, but we look at them through an honest gospel worldview. Let's get it. What's up, guys? There we are. Welcome, back Diggy. Again. Hey, he's back. <laughs> Space Jam. No, you're too close. You're not close enough to oh, the mic. Sorry, uh, that was not Space Jam. Good try. That was actually Independence Day. Oh yeah. yes. And I, he said, "I'm back." Right. Hey, boys, remember me when he was going into? Oh yeah. Kill mm-hmm. the aliens again. Like no, you, yeah, he was going to kill the aliens. He uh-huh. goes, "Hey, boys, I'm back." Right, because they had abducted him. Correct, and nobody believed him. Right, underrated movie. I haven't seen it. So in a long good, time, but it's a good movie. What's his name? The actor's name? Will Smith. No, no, Jeff the Goldblum. guy that says I'm back. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, he's not that popular. Well, he was. He kind of looks like Bill Murray, though. Oh, well, I know he does. About. He's in uh, all uh, the Christmas vacation. Yeah, yes. he's cousin Eddie. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Gosh, uh, Quaid. No. Yeah, he's a Quaid. He's a Quaid. It's Randy Quaid. Maybe sounds close not, enough. Let's go with that. Not Dennis yeah. Quaid, but I think it's Randy Quaid. Okay. Yeah, he's a he's a funny story. I've I've heard about him. It's been a long time, but he did something where he got in like trouble with the government. I like, had to move. Like he's one of those guys. Like that's why you don't see him in movies or anything. Anymore. Mm. Well, actors are not you know I all of what it is. Yeah, you keep reading about actors like uh, what's his name? I'm gonna look it up. Who's the guy who was in Con Air? Oh, uh, Kevin. No, uh, Clark. <laughs> <laughs> Nicholas Cage. Nicholas Cage. Nick Cage yeah. yeah, like all these tax issues. Like none of them really like follow. Like you know, they go, "Oh my goodness, I owe, owe all these taxes," and then they end up doing like the worst movies ever to try to make up for it. Mm. So he's got like go go to Netflix. Nicholas Cage has like seventeen B list movies that you have to watch that all have the same theme, but he just had to knock them out to okay. To pay so taxes. see, there's always a story behind the story. Because right. here, here I am thinking just Nick Cage is a terrible actor. But he has some kind of weird fame, but he's famous for being a bad actor for taking on all these movies to pay his taxes. There you go. Always a story. I never don't, assume. Don't hold me to that story either. No, but I'll take it. Yeah. Because it doesn't really matter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's Randy Quaid. I looked it up. Hey, good job. Yeah, we were, we were really curious. Yeah, I just want to make sure I was saying the right name. Me too. He lost all of his money. Oh. Can't figure out how. I'm just reading like a little short snippets here, but. Yeah. Well, I knew there was something weird with him. We heard you had some take it or leave it's for us. I do. I've got two take it or leave it's. So today we're doing the game a little bit different. Take it, take Dickie's it. Dickie's got two take it or leave it's. One for each of us, Josh and I. Let's be honest, it's not even a game right now. It's just, just a gotta, conversation. Just got to take it. That's right. right. Uh, first one, Josh, take it or leave it. <laughs> Runners up. I'll take it. Oh, man. Should have left. It would have been hilarious. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so runners up is, and maybe you guys have addressed this before, but participation Hopefully. participation tro- trophies. Oh yeah, mm. we definitely addressed that before. But go ahead. It's probably been a while. Yeah, Chad. And maybe Chad always gets to talk on it. Oh, he mm. had a hot take. Mm. Well, he just had. I remember him having. I think they're dumb. An opinion on it. <laughs> let me <laughs> let me see what I think. Let me think about what I think about it. Hmm. You're saying in sports for kids? In sports for kids, all this, you know, participation, everybody wins. Um, 
Nobody's keeping score. I don't know how having, much of I'm a fan a I am. Give him a hot take on it right now. <laughs> about sports in general. Oh, and I know both of you take. guys another have kids take. in sports. Yeah, and so many people do. But I don't know. Your kids are in sports too. No, well, I Romy, saw him run track. She runs track. What? It doesn't. Uh, Graham played a little soccer, huh? He played a little soccer, and he'll continue to play sports. Yeah. And I'm really just following the culture on this. But I wish it wasn't a thing. Let me tell you something. The really? track might be the best sport ever, especially in a race, because it's clear. Mm-hmm. You were first. <laughs> you, you were second. second. That's right. You were third. You yeah. get a participation trophy, but everybody saw but let me tell you, first, right. second, third. It is the hardest sport to watch <laughs> oh, because yeah. there it's are brutal. so many people that have to run and do events. Anyways, here's my beef with kids' sports is just like – I don't know if it's the best environment for kids to grow up in. Mm-hmm. I know it teaches how to work in a team, how to work with other people, but you know what teaches that better? Like being on the the sand lot without parents, without rules, without even a baseball. Like, hey, you got to go find a baseball. Go make a baseball. Go mm-hmm. make your own game that just only you and your kids know the rules. And then another outsider comes in. And they don't even know what sport you're playing. And so they mm-hmm. got to adapt to your rules. I think that kind of environment for kids to grow up in is way healthier and way natural than a five-year-old having like 30 adults watching mm-hmm. them, watching their every move. Yelling at them. Yelling at them sometimes in an unhealthy way. But yeah, there's sure. obviously healthy ways to, to do it too. And you don't focus on winning as much as the results, right? That sort of thing. Sure. But yeah, so participation trophies wrong but i think even sport in general is not the best way kids could be growing up mm-hmm. i take you're, you're saying it more for the pressure the unneeded pressure well th- that's just a part of it i think it would just be better if we i mean yes the pressure mm-hmm. like kids need a different environment to to grow up in. they need their own little kid world like playground that parents style. know nothing about mm-hmm. and in the same way parents need a world that kids know nothing about but we kind of reverse it like now we put kids in this environment where parents are watching their every move mm-hmm. and we also treat them like they're an adult right mm-hmm. they look just like an adult they wear all the same clothing as an adult we talk to them and we tell them everything that we're thinking as parents sometimes and so they're you're like ruining their childhood basically it's changing something fundamental in the way kids are growing up mm. hmm Food for thought. Deep. I don't agree with it, but I hear what you're saying. Like, I, I understand your point. You're wrong. I understand your point. And, and there's definitely validation to a lot of just, points. I mean, just think of it like this. Like, where did organized sports come from? Mm-hmm. And how in the world would we, why would we assume that it's right? The world mm-hmm. came up with it. Why would we think it's the right way to do it? Sure. It's terrible. Yeah. And our focus on winning, terrible. terrible. <laughs> well, you know, uh, kids need to have fun, man. They ex- don't need to worry about take, winning. But I understand what you're saying. Like, yes, there's a lot of corruptness. No, the only it. thing about sports <laughs> is that we, we can go. make a bad thing good. We can we can yeah. focus on the right things. We can use it to cultivate sure. certain traits. But we do not need sports at all. That's my final. I favorite. agree. I agree with that. We do not need sports. Kids sports. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this: Why? And this is just me, but I think everybody has this. Like, do you have an inner drive? Do you love competition? I do not. You do not like competition? Mm. Do you like competition, Mm -hmm. Chad? Yeah, I do. So why do you not like competition? 
Um, I don't. Know, I don't like to lose, <laughs> and I don't love to win. So there's nothing to to gain for me. You were competing with yourself when you were a seal, though. Yeah, but that was more about validation, just general validation. Okay. But there and, was still a drive there. You still have drive. Yeah, but it wasn't I really. I have drive, but not. What drive? I don't need to beat other people right. or like love playing sure. sports. I hate to lose, but I don't love to win. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make me feel better about myself. Yeah. Yeah, but just like in the middle of it when you're competing and doing something like, I don't know, man, that is a very hard feeling to replace. Mm-hmm. And sports think, is kind of like Is that. it healthy, though? It's a beautiful it's place because I think, I think the things that you dislike about sports would happen no matter what context you put it in. You know what I'm saying? Like the things you dislike about it happens in no, the workplace. No, that's not true at all. Because the things I dislike about sports, the intense organization and pressure mm-hmm. put on by parents, when you allow kids to just go play with themselves out in the yard, playing their own sports that they yeah. create and their own rules, you're completely removing all the What do you feel about the structure? Uh, sports for adults. I mean it's entertainment, so as as much as far as entertainment goes, great. So your beef isn't really sports in general it's sports for kids yeah exactly. that's what i said yeah, yeah that was the topic okay i'm just I'm just trying to all right gauge where you're at with it that's all i get that i definitely think there's some unhealth too but in a lot of kids, kids sports. sports is an attempt to get their kids playing sports at that level so right. that they can have some kind of you know validation yeah so i like my kids playing sports for all the good reasons like having to work with the team having to learn to fail having to having to deal with pressure because life you know, has pressure, but I definitely see, and I don't like a lot of the things you're talking about. Like, you know, we're playing the coach's pitch game and you got parents screaming, like getting right. mad, like yelling at umps and everything. It's like, all right, that's coach's pitch. We're not, you know, we're not playing for a real championship here. Like, yeah, like help, the, the fact coach, that they got to uh, go like where they're like, you got to go buy these uniforms. You spend 80 bucks on all their stuff and they're going like, why? Mm-hmm. Like, 50 years ago, they didn't even have a baseball. Remember Sandlot? Where yeah. they're like scraping together all their money to get one baseball? I love that. That's, like, imagine all of the yeah. character development that went into them just trying to figure mm-hmm. out how to finance a baseball. I don't think anybody would That's dis- a great lesson right there. I don't think anybody would disagree with that. Like, I think that's definitely valuable. Like, that part of it, for sure. Like, there should be a lot of that. Well, I think, I think when you get to sports, especially for kids' sports, it shouldn't be... Hey, I'm, it's our job as parents, as the coaches, to mm-hmm. put them in a good environment that's teaching them the lessons that you mm-hmm. want to teach them. But at the end of the day, it's not, hey, did that coach, was that coach good because we won? Or I think you should validate that coach as, does every single one of his players want to sign up again next year? Mm-hmm. Like, did they have a really good time? Did they grow did in they, character? Did they grow in character? Which mm-hmm. leads me to my next take it or leave it for Chad. Well, hold on, I got nice. one more take. Oh. oh. On this, on this subject. This isn't your topic. No, but you always weigh it on mine. I get to weigh it on it. But like an example, cause I, I see both sides of it. Like, so I helped coach Hudson's basketball team this year, right? And I coached with a, a great guy, Brett, you know, Brett Gibson. Yeah. Great guy. And, and I, I loved coaching with him because we were all about just the character, like the kids playing hard and like, you know, we'd pull them aside if they were, like, getting mad at each other. Like, hey, you need to encourage each other. We'd, we'd have talks about character. I'd sit on the bench, and I would talk about that the whole time, you know. That's what Brett would even say. He's like, I'd yell at them, but then Chad would pull them aside on the bench and, like, talk talk things through them. And it was awesome. It was fun. And everybody grew, and everybody got better. 
But the bad part of the sports side of it is, and we didn't mean to do this, but we just we went eighteen and zero. Well, we weren't setting out to win the championship or not lose. We right. just were coaching our kids, and they just it just happened that way. I mean, I'd have other parents coming like, "Man, what do you got? You know, like you got all the good players, like all this, like it's like what are y'all talking about? We're just coaching kids, like it's it's not a big deal. It's it's nine year old basketball. Who cares?" Right. And that part of it, I don't like. It's like, yeah, who who cares who's actually winning in this? The point is, we're just trying to encourage our kids, help them get better, help them grow, help them, you know, uh, grow in character and all that stuff. So, I love that part of it. But then the organized part of it, and that's that part can get a little bit nasty and not not good. So mm-hmm. I agree with that side of it too. Right. Yeah, like when you're getting paid to win, there's okay, now you can have some strategy towards it and put the good players in and leave the bad players right. out. But, man, when I go to places, you know, mm-hmm. when we coach baseball together and mm-hmm. when we coach soccer, and all of a sudden, like, the score's tight, and then you see them take the weaker player and put them in right field yeah. and then leave their best pitcher in, mm-hmm. I'm like, hey, y'all, they're six. Right. They're seven. <laughs> right. Like, everybody plays. And then when it gets to the point where I think where the kid cares mm-hmm. and they've all had their experience, like 10, 11, like that's where Little Richard's at, the kids are finally starting to say, hey, what's the score? I want to play. And then you're really like, hey, you've gotten enough time to, mm-hmm. this is your, going to be your position. Right. Like, hey, you've got your skills and your best skill set is over here. Right. But I don't want to, I see I see it all the time where they pigeonhole a kid who's a little slower and not, and, all right, mm-hmm. oh, well, you're going to go play right field. Mm-hmm. So he's playing right field since he was fifth grade, fifth, <laughs> right, right. five years old. Right. And then he's never got the chance or the confidence to play pitcher, yeah. sit in shortstop and that's it's why just, I love coaching me. with Brett is because we had a rotation and we stuck with that rotation. It didn't they matter. And we had some kids that couldn't barely dribble or, you know, they turned the ball over every time, but they got better as the season went on, but they played every game in the rotation, the way the rotation was set, you know, and, uh, that's the way it should be. And right. we'd win or lose based on I am how they play, you know, unmoved in my opinion after your guys's. <laughs> Thoughts. You know, that was based off of like, you know, should you should you say, hey, you're the best player, you're not the best player, or just make it fun for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll tell you my experience with my father, like, he never really cared if I won or lost or like, he just cared that I gave good effort and that I, I loved others well and I, I tried hard. Mm. Um, all right, take it or leave it. You ready? Yeah, give me an easy one. All right, cake eater. <laughs> Have your cake and eat it too. No. I'll take it. I so, Mighty Ducks, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, he called them obviously. He called them cake eater. You know, it's a form of bullying. Which one? Um, just uh, I don't remember that part. Yeah, he called them cake eater. He called Banks cake eater. Um, I forget oh, that guy's he was rich. name. Yeah, he was. He yeah, was yeah, rich. Yeah, yeah. And he called him right. cake eater, and he played for the other team. I just and need to get the context. He, he wasn't really a duck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, just name calling. Mm-hmm. Um, and they became friends at the end. But at the same time, my question is about bullying, right? Mm-hmm. And how does a kid actively like? Uh, respond to bullying i'll give you an example because mm-hmm. i'm having this debate mm-hmm. with my other coach mm-hmm. so you know just not to brag but the ducks that's our team uh, we're undefeated um and look we are <laughs> what not, it's all about man well no but the kids are loving it but we are not at all like uh the best team from athletic standpoint like i've got 12 kids yeah. and we float them around and the other teams are like twice as big as us mm-hmm. um some say it's proper coaching but i said you know no, the kids are just, they love it. Um, <laughs> but anyways, we were so playing the, We were playing the best team. And the other coach was getting extremely frustrated. Mm. And he literally grabbed, like, one of the flags because 
and he was like showing the ref like making a scene like trying to pull the flag like it was like hard to pull and i was like so like what are you insinuating like that we glued the flags to try to beat you guys like it's (laughs) it's 10th grade you know they're 10 years old and they're velcro and anyways uh but as he was doing that the other kids, like what he was doing, his players then started, started saying, yeah. oh, y'all are cheating. Y'all are cheating, you cheaters. Y'all ain't even that good because we were winning, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, they were learning from their coach that, hey, when you're behind, make excuses and then start yelling at them, right? Mm-hmm. And my players mm-hmm. were, like, also starting to, like, I said, hey, yeah. I said, do not get involved. I say, hey, good game. We respect you. Mm-hmm. And... I was giving a speech at the end and I said, hey, listen, if somebody like says something that hurts your feelings or Mm -hmm. when they call you a name or say you're not good, you just say, hey, don't do that. Like that hurts my feelings. Like tell them that it hurts your feelings. Mm -hmm. And then uh, my uh, assistant coach or um, (laughs) co-coach, he texted me. He's like, hey, my son was wondering that. He's like, man, if we say that, they're just going to make fun of us more and get Mm -hmm. probably get beat up. Mm -hmm. And I was like. Well, I said, that's my question that I have, like, Mm -hmm. because at the end of the day, so do we not tell the truth and and tell people how we feel because they're going to make fun of us more? But I think every young kid, like, Mm -hmm. if I would tell you, like, hey, dude, that hurts my feelings. Don't Mm -hmm. do that while you were trying to make fun of me. Deep down, he wants to be like, yeah, why am I doing that? Like, Mm -hmm. I don't want to make fun of this other kid. I'm just doing what the coach did and what other people did out of peer pressure. So. Right. What are your thoughts on actually like when somebody's getting bullied for being being overweight or being mm-hmm. bullied for having glasses, should they just say your sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me? Or should you say, hey, man, right. that really well, hurts not, my feelings. That's not a true statement because it does hurt. Yeah, <laughs> right. like that truly hurts my feelings. Is that right. good advice or no, is think, there a time and place to, to share your feelings with others? I think it's, I think it's great advice. I mean, I think it in lines with what Paul says here in Romans 12, repay no one evil for evil but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on your head. Do not be overcome with evil, by evil, but overcome evil with good. Mm. And so I think the main principle is, yeah, be honest and be kind. In the face of adversity, because it just heaps coals on the person who's trying to bully you. If I tell my son all the time, like, listen, if you play into it, or or let it get to you, or don't remember where your worth comes from, you're only going to fuel their flame. Like if you if you play in the the pit with pigs, you're going to get muddy, right? Like it's just the way it goes. But the best way to handle it is honest, be truthful, be kind. Don't hang out with them if they don't if they don't want to treat you well. Then you just don't hang out with them. The only caveat I'll give is this isn't uh, necessarily a scripture that says don't defend yourself. Like if it if it comes to like they start to like throw punches at you, then yeah, definitely defend yourself, but don't be the one that instigates the fight. You know, in that way. But yeah, walk away. Be honest. Be kind. You know, the best thing your kids could have done in that situation is being honest like you said and then when they make a good play be like hey good play man and just keep it rolling like rise above it with goodness and kindness and honesty don't try to fight fire with fire you know it doesn't work that way it never turns out well 
and it only turns you into somebody you don't want to be. Hmm. Anger yeah. of man does not produce the righteousness of God. That's right. Right, which is the opposite of what you were saying because most people, if they've got a bully, you know, well, mm-hmm. hey, go go stand up to him and, and mm-hmm. he'll back down. They're just scared. Like, well, that's the opposite of what it just said yeah. in Scripture. But it's, it well, kinda, you are but standing you up are, to Exactly. Them. You are standing up with but, honesty. And the truth. You're just saying, hey, that's not kind, dude. That's, that's not cool. It hurts. You know, I'm not saying that to you. Why are you saying it to me? Like, that's standing up. And if they run at you and try to, like, throw punches at you, then, you know, defend yourself. But be done with it at that point. Like, don't keep trying to right. go go at them or anything like that, you know. Okay. That's what I would say. Josh? Sounds good to me. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, no comment. You had a lot on the other take it. I know. That was more of a... Talked that, 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 was, that, was a that was a trigger. And you're like, you know, I don't want to get Well, it's get funny because I just started looking into that. I'm teaching mm-hmm. the parent equip at the end of the month. So I've been looking at some topics to see what's, what is relevant and will be helpful for our people mm-hmm. when I teach that night. And so mm-hmm. that's just one of the topics I looked at. Mm-hmm. You know, I read, I saw something. It was a quote. It's like, man, if you really want to change the world, he's like... um, be a better parent. Mm-hmm. Like if you would just be parent equipped is so important because all of these things we're talking about, that will change the generations to where if we can get rid of bullying, if we can get rid of them, you know, doing all these worldly things that people are saying, that's the practical way, you know, mm-hmm. um, man. Well, being a like, good parent forces you to change too. Cause right. most of what's hard about parenting is you, it's not your kids. And so, um, it forces you to grow spiritually in order to lead them spiritually and what they're dealing with. But yeah. And you know, I think so I think much can good, be done good advice. by rising above, you know what I'm saying? Like it shows a real strength and it shows your security being in Christ, not in what people think of you. And that's what really we're trying to teach our kids because bullies are just insecure. I mean, that's all that it comes down to that coach and those kids are trying to find their worth in this game. Right, where we're just here to play and have fun and like play a game. You right. know, our worth is not in whether or not we win or lose this game. You know, and that's what we want to teach our kids. Like, there's a lot of good lessons. You'll play hard, do your best, but if you lose, man, that doesn't define you. And you can learn. You learn more from failure than you do from success. A lot of times, you know. That's what I say. You get a quote from a win. You get a book from a loss. Mm, that's good. Thanks. <laughs> and like in that situation, I mean. Thankfully, they had you as their coach. Like, they were exposed to something they really shouldn't be exposed to, which is another argument against youth sports. Mm-hmm. That coach, but like, you can't expect that coach to do anything other than what he did. If he's going to coach his team and be passionate about it, he's going to get excited and he's going to call out when he thinks someone's cheating. Yeah, it's childish, but that's what guys do. And so we are purposely exposing our children to these things. But I, I think and it's an argument si- for our argument. Like the kids need to be exposed so they can they learn saw these the, lessons. Right. And then the, the parents No, too. that's like saying I'm going to let them watch bad TV so I can teach them <laughs> that that's wrong. Like that's, that makes no sense. Don't let them watch TV. Let them just hear the truth when these formative years, only the truth. And then when they're old enough, like when they're 14, 15 – then they can start playing sports when they've already been shown what's true. Right. The hard thing is, I know mm-hmm. for parents, is that you're like, well, if my parents don't play, or if my kids don't play sports until they're 15, they're not going to be any good because all the other right. kids are playing every right. single year, three but times in your, a year. But in your Sandlot analogy, they're going to be faced with those same things. Right. No, they're but, not. Not from parents. Well, but they're going to be the kids. Faced, but there's no parent around to coach them through it. 
Well, there is when you go back to the home and you debrief with your kid what happened that day. That's also being yeah. good parents, making sure you pick good friends. That's one of the main reasons mm-hmm. we started homeschooling was the same reason Joshua says, like, I'm not going to let another child who's really being raised by another parent that I don't know their values mm-hmm. dictate how my kid thinks about life. Yeah. Right? Because if he's going there, he's getting a lot of information from these mm-hmm. other children that the parents might not have the same beliefs as me. Yeah, and I, I said, agree with that. Until my kid is old enough to discern if that was right or if that's wrong, mm-hmm. exactly. he's going to stay in my tent and then I'm going to let him out of the tent. And if I do let him with other friends, it's going to be in a controlled environment that mm-hmm. I can't, which is why I'm the head coach of everything. Mm-hmm. Which to make not, sure not that, every parent can be the head coach. Right. Right. Which and is why really nice they are that's right. <laughs> that's really nice that they're 14 or 15 years old, that they're that yeah. mature and right. ready to handle the world. There's some truth in that for sure. I mean, that's one of the reasons why Marie and I are pulling our kids out for homeschool as well. Yeah. A lot of those same ideas because, yeah, at this age, well, they're not ready. Out of sports too. They're not ready for yeah. certain things. Why not? I'll tell you why. Because, you know, it's a, it's a great mission field, to be honest. Like, oh, that's yeah. the same thing people say about school, though. They're like, yeah, my kid's in school. He's going to be a light to the world. Oh, when he's five? When he's eight, he's going to be a that's light? No, coaching. he doesn't know what the light is. I'm coaching. Yeah. But so, for example, like, I'll tell you what, the market's taken a pretty big dip lately. Like, my career is uh, financial planning, right? I'm not I'm as... I'm saying my career is on the fritz. <laughs> no. so like, you know, I was less nervous about that. Like, I was more nervous about mm. this football game. Like, dude, yeah, and that's when you the get, kind of stress we're, when you get intense, we're subjecting our kids to. These 10 and 11 year olds, like, it is intense. Mm. And the parents get intense and they all get into it. Mm. And it's really good because, like, after, like, you get on, like, this little. I um, wish I could hear yourselves right now. You get in this high. <laughs> I'm, I'm just, more resolved than ever before about I'm just sports. saying. So then the parents are like, yes. And like they're in the text message. Great win. What a win. I said, look, we had fun. But I said the win was not the main thing that happened was the main thing that happened was the other kids started to complain and started to get rambunctious. And our kids held their cool and they played well and they understood that that's not what this is about. And then we also got the win. <laughs> Anyways. Hey. Good discussion, though. I like these discussions, though, because these are these are not like necessarily like you're resolved in your opinion. I'm not as resolved in my opinion, and like I see your points, but navigating this life. Well, I think y'all are unbiased because you have sons. Like I have a son coming up. I have a daughter as well. I know, but sons are. Let's be honest. Sons are more into the sports. There's a lot more riding on it. Yeah, and I think. Y'all are more bought in right now, so you're a little un- unbiased. You get older, you're going to see. And as I get older, well, yeah. I'm gonna, gonna, I think I'm going to save this podcast for, yeah, yeah, for when Graham's for Graham's playing football and he's coaching. Seven, he's like, <laughs> yeah. No, I, he's I admit. Like, you know what? Sports are great. And he's asking, he's asking for donations so they can go travel to Vegas to play <laughs> yeah, in the championship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be like, I'm just going to play this part of the podcast. Like, Josh, remember what you said? Well, man? honestly, like what's been on my mind lately is like, do I have enough faith to mm. keep Graham out of sports until he's in high school and trust that he'll be good. Because I really, like, he would love sports and he's going to be good at it. And I'm like, he needs to play every single year to develop them. But mm. I, I, I've been thinking about this for months. Like, do I have enough faith to keep him out and know that, you know, mm. it'd be what it is? Well, let's go, let's go back to exercise. Because you believe in exercise. For sure. So exercise is important. Yeah, you and move. sports is a fun way to to do exercise. Yeah, but okay. Here's another 
here's another reason to get in sports. <laughs> we're just trying to make this last as long as possible. We take our kids out of the neighborhoods, out of their immediate community to go play with other kids from other neighborhoods when they should all just be playing in their little neighborhoods. Let me mm-hmm. tell you something. I in, agree. In, the, in the lot behind the house. So in my house, you know, we got our uh, Mindy's brother's kids. They've got six. Yeah. We've got three. And my front yard is literally a football field, a soccer field. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that. Field. Mm-hmm. But again, that's why John Boy, because John Boy's young, and that's how I grew up. Like, I grew up, we had one extra lot in the in the suburb, right? Mm-hmm. And that was the field. Yeah. Like, that was the sand lot, but it, you know. Oh, yeah. Um, and we played everything, but I was the youngest kid growing up, so I was always playing, but I was six and everybody else extra was ten. Development, yeah. I was playing extra people who were older than you. And yeah, that's good stuff right there. Which is really good. That's where you see John Boy, like John Boy and Graham, like if you get them with the, the younger kids are usually more or tougher yeah. um, and more athletic compared to the older kids that are a little bit more timid that, you know, little Richard's kind of like a little bit more worried out, out there because he's right. never he's had got a lot to lose man guy. he's the oldest so got, all that I, pressure I to the win solution. here's just, a solution we just create him. the field church sandlot league where we have a place where no. we just bring all of our kids all the dads okay. just hang okay. out okay. i'm listening we just hang out for for and just have fun yeah. and all the kids go play in the lot exactly <laughs> one thousand percent no money that's right no driving all over town right. to and like we get this to hang, game and we get game. to hang out which is it, great can we I, get the fellowship hey, can, I can, can i convict josh for a second mm, yeah, please i don't even know if this is <laughs> i don't know if you're up for it <laughs> i'm up for anything okay <laughs> because his foot i recall i said a, a great mission field right well i recall you putting together a flag football tournament for campus outreach yeah, yeah but that doesn't During go against college. his theory though because he's he's saying wait till high school so sports are okay, but just not for young kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew, okay, I forgot. Yeah, yeah. sports, man. 15 and his below. Only, his only hot take is on the youth sports, which, once again, I see a lot of your points. I'm not, I'm, I'm looking at both sides here. I'm saying it's not crazy, your take. I feel like you guys are making the best of a bad situation. And I, I'm that, glad y'all are doing it true, in yeah. the way you're doing it. Yeah, I, y'all I agree are preserving, like, that team would be worse if y'all weren't there. Not winning, losing. I don't care about that, but just investing. The morality of the league would be worse if y'all weren't there. Christians should be, mm-hmm. and and that's and that's the hard part. It's like it's something the world has given us. You know, we got to so make should the be best a light of it. in it. And it's just tough because it's at the expense of our kids' development. So uh, not, not if we're able that. to be involved in it. Correct. As much as y'all are, yeah, I think that's mm-hmm. making the best of it. Yeah, but if it went away, I would be happy. Right, I agree with your point of like they don't need to have organized leagues at this age. Like it'd be okay, right? They, their development wouldn't be uh, hurt. All right, how that. can this tie into meekness, the quality of meekness that we're talking about? <laughs> I mean, that's kind of your question. Your your take it or leave it about um, what is meekness? Meekness ain't weakness, boy. That's right. Yeah, once you uh, kick it off there, because I do think meekness ties into all this idea, especially the bullying question, right? So, won't you kick us off, Josh, since you're leading the study right now? Give us the parameters, the definitions, and we'll discuss. I will borrow on John MacArthur's definition. Mm -hmm. Meekness is the opposite of being out of control. It is not weakness, but supreme self-control empowered by the Spirit. Uh, The statement that the meek shall inherit the earth is quoted from Psalm 3711. So Mm -hmm. the way I like to define this is looking at Psalm 3711, since this is where Jesus is getting it from. And I won't read the whole thing, but I'll just point out some of the characteristics that that helps us 
kind of build the picture of what a meek person is because mm. I think this definition eludes a lot of people. Um, okay, verse 1 in Psalm 37. Fret not yourself because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers, for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. So right away we see this idea that a meek person is one that is being wronged. Mm -hmm. They're watching evil people prosper in their way Mm -hmm. and they're being told by God to be patient, to wait, don't take for yourself because you have this inheritance that is given to you, but it's not going to be realized right away. Mm -hmm. Uh, You are an heir of Christ and you inherit Mm -hmm. everything that he inherits. Although that doesn't happen in this life. And so you have to be mm-hmm. patient. The evil will pass. Mm-hmm. Um, verse three, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. So we see the second thing for a meek person is patience. And then also within that, we're being patient against mm-hmm. those that are, that are wronging us. And we're focusing on mm-hmm. being faithful and doing good. Yeah, And so... Uh, I think that gives us a better picture of what meekness is. It's not being a doormat Mm-mm. and just being run over. Right. Like we're being called to do something with our meekness and it's to do the right thing regardless of what's happening around right. us. Which is really strength. Like the It's it it's takes, internal strength. It takes a exactly. lot of strength to stand and be firm in what's true even when everyone around you is even going against going against what's true and going against you because it's true, um, and really, uh, humility is tied up in that spiritual meekness of being uh, submissive to God, like finding our worth, our confidence, our faith in the Lord. It's really the meekness is a display of the strength of your faith. Mm-hmm. Is really what it, I think it comes down to. Jesus, seven days before he was mocked, beaten, crucified. Mm-hmm. He rode into Jerusalem on a donkey mm-hmm. because it was God's word. It was prophesied. He was obedient to mm-hmm. the prophecy and also in that showed, showed his humility. Mm-hmm. But he has all the strength in the world, well, and, which is what a, makes that meekness. I love that too because if you – in Luke's um, 19 – I'll flip over there real quick. When he rides in on that donkey – Christ really displays his meekness in a in a sort of a different way in that in that regard, um, because when there he's he's coming in, he weeps over Jerusalem. So this isn't when everyone's going against him in that moment. Everyone's cheering him. Mm-hmm. Everyone's excited for him. This is when he's coming in this triumphal entry. Yeah, and Jerusalem is well triumphant, singing his seemingly, but it's right not. singing his praises because they wanted him to be an earthly king. They wanted him to overthrow the government. Right, they wanted him to provide peace for them in the earthly sense in that moment to really give them what they wanted. Oh yeah, and he he weeps over Jerusalem because you know that the last part of Jerusalem, Solomon, is peace, and so he he uses that in a way of says. Would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace. Hmm. Right? He's he's weeping. So even that, he has this resolve. Well, that's the morning we just saw last week. Exactly. In the beatitude. He has this resolve because they don't understand what they actually need to have peace with God. Right. And that's a submission to 
the Savior, which he was, Mm -hmm. which they had continually shown a rejection of and would fully reject him in just a few days after this and to the point of death on a cross. And so he had that in view. He knew what it was going to take to save our sins, save us from our sins. He knew all that all that was going on. And so meekness is a resolve not only when faced with persecution, but also when faced with praise for the wrong reasons. Mm-hmm. Right? You see him show that display because his humility, he was submitting to the will of the Lord and he knew what was coming. And he knew what they were praising was not the things of God. Mm-hmm. Right? And so for us as Christians, we're called to be meek. And that means to stand firm on what's right, no matter opposition or praise. Because, mm-hmm. man, who wouldn't riding in like Christ, everybody's cheering you, not in our in our earthly sense, be like, yeah, yeah, I'm the I'm the man, you know. Right. And that's not what Christ does. And do we have the meekness to be resolved when everyone's praising our names? We see this played out constantly in the seeker sensitive church world the definition of success is the approval of the crowd mm. right the the success of a church would be how much it grows and how many people we reach and how much this and how much that and kind of getting this christian celebrity platform of being this next big up and coming church and pastor and all this stuff and that's not showing meekness either because if the people aren't there for the right reason, if they're not there because you're preaching the word of God and they're submitting to God, that's not a good thing. Right. Would you be resolved to preach the word and tell the truth, even if it means the crowds go away? And for most, for many pastors, the answer is no. Right? Yeah. For many Christians, the answer is no. One of the biggest reasons why we don't share our faith or make disciples is because it means that many would reject us. Mm -hmm. But would you stand and do what's right to glorify God and love the other person, even if it means they go away? Yeah, yeah. we resist the opportunity to even exercise meekness by avoiding putting ourselves in that situation Mm -hmm. where there there will be evildoers Mm -hmm. around us or people rejecting us or talking bad about us. It's like we got to first do good, as Psalm 37 said, uh, practice righteousness, you know, share the gospel to put ourselves in that mm-hmm. situation to then be, be meek, exercise meekness. Right. But we avoid any possibility of ever needing to be meek, mm-hmm. right? And we misdefine meekness as this characteristic of this frailty or this, you know, don't really speak up, just be quiet. I'm not important. Uh, it doesn't matter. No, you're not. You're prideful. Right. Meekness a lot of times has boldness attached to it, mm-hmm. right? Like right. the boldness to say in love, in kindness, man, you need a savior. Like you're going to go to hell. I mean, Moses. That takes boldness. It was said that he was the meekest person to ever live. Yeah. And look how bold he was. <laughs> right. I mean, he was insecure in, in some of his, yeah. um, you know, his speech, but it didn't stop him because he did what was right by the Lord, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Well, tell me if this uh, if this relates. I don't know, but I, th- I think of Abraham when he like appealed to God, like he surrendered to God, but he also appealed to God mm. when he was about to destroy Sodom, and he was just, you know, hey, if there's fifty righteous, when are you going to kill them? He says no, and he, but he kept appealing to his his nature, mm-hmm. but he was never trying to overtake God's authority. Mm-hmm. Sure, uh, yeah, I mean, you see that with Jesus, 
If this cup could pass from me in the garden, he's sweating blood, praying, but your will be done. And the answer was no, the cup cannot pass from you. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. The strength we have is knowing that God is sovereign and his word is right. And if we follow it, it's it's what is supposed to happen. It's, it's what is best. Mm. And we can desire other things, but... I mean, Psalm 37, once again, it says, and God will give you the desires of your heart. Mm -hmm. So as your heart comes in line with God's will through his word, then your desires become what is right. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean he'll give you everything you want when you're unregenerate Mm -hmm. or unsanctified. But as you become holier, your desires start actually matching up. And how that ties in with meekness? Well, I don't know. <laughs> I think, mm. think we got off topic. But. I just think that like meekness, like in my in my mind, like I just always assume women, like just because they're they're super peaceful and mm. and calm and collective compared to to men who are a little bit more prideful and mm. authoritative. Um, I don't know. Well, just I know. what's going on in my head? It's not the world we see around us these days, but I hear you. Mm. Um, yeah, but definitely yeah. there's a sense of submission, which right. women, you know, um, display sure, more. that's true. Um, and it is submission, submission to the Lord, right? Like that's, right. that is the right definition of meekness, but that's where I'm going at the, the caricature of meekness that we think of is not the biblical definition of meek, which is to be silent, afraid, and not, not willing to speak up, right? It is to be submissive to the Lord. It is to be patient. It is to be kind, but it's also to be bold in doing what the Lord tells us to do. Even in that psalm, yeah, all this evil's happening around us, but you obey me. You trust me. You wait. Yeah. You listen to me. You know, type The of whole thing. prerequisite for meekness is something going wrong mm-hmm. in the world. Mm-hmm. And the world tells us, take for yourself. Uh, don't settle for no. Like, mm-hmm. Make it happen. Like, you got this. Mm-hmm. You know, you deserve this. Mm-hmm. You've earned this. You've gotten to this place. And then they just follow these reasons why things don't go right. Mm-hmm. And so meekness requires, one, that things don't go right. And then, two, that you be patient and wait on the Lord to provide mm-hmm. to, um, to that you would inherit the land, which yeah. is the second part of the verse. Which circles us back to your question about bullying in the Romans 12 verse. Like, when someone does evil against you overcome evil with good that's meekness yeah right to stand there and say what needs to be said and trust the lord with what he says knowing that it could mean opposition from the person you're saying it to right when you say man that that's not right and that's hurt my feelings like that that takes boldness that's right. meek and bold at the same time right especially if you do it in the right heart which is not like Hey, I want you to stop that because it hurts me. Mm. It's more like, hey, I want you to stop that because that's offensive to God. Mm. Right. Or like don't saying not saying anything at all. Are we not saying anything because out of fear? Mm-hmm. Right? Or it's like, I'm just not gonna say anything because I'm afraid they'll they'll mm-hmm. yell at me even more. Or am I not saying anything out of love because I I know that's what God does, wants me to do. Yeah, I'm being patient. Yeah, God wants me to be patient and kind and loving, but which also which is meekness but then mm. it could also people might define meekness as oh he didn't say anything but he was really just really scared right mm. he's he, so humble yeah he's so humble. modest no right. he was well, just that's pride. scared yeah that's pride because you have to you have to speak up when needed to speak up like right. in that situation of bully someone's confronting you i do think you need to speak up but what you speak has everything to do with your faith well think about it like they're wronging you 
you know that they are wrong. You're not affected because you know who you are in Christ. However, you are, you are, since they are acting out of line with God's word, the truth will set you free. So you know the truth will set them free if they just know the truth. But you're robbing them of the opportunity to repent and come in line with God's word because of your humility. <laughs> no, that's pride and that's unloving to yeah. withhold the truth for them because who knows? Right. I mean, Matthew 18, if someone sins against you, tell them their sin, you've gained a brother if he repents. And so to rob them of that is not meekness. It's mm-hmm. not It's not humility. Mm-hmm. It's pride, mm-hmm. thinking that you're the only one who deserves truth and fair treatment, and mm-hmm. they're just evil. Like, right. No, they need to an opportunity to repent too. God forgave you, forgive mm-hmm. them. Yeah. And give them the opportunity to repent. To repent. That's right. And then Romans 12, where Paul writes, in that same verse, it's 17 through 21 for everyone's reference. But then meekness even goes further. And not only do you say what's true, but now you overcome evil with good by feeding them if they're hungry. Like, yeah, like that takes burning it, coals on their That head. takes it even further to the bully who's making fun of you being kind to them when they don't deserve it. Like, that's strength. And right. that really displays the heart of god and those types of actions also are the light to the world that that uh scripture speaks of because it's in those moments that god uses to convict those who are in sin like man i've been treating this guy like trash and he's he's also like still being kind to me right or someone else is making fun of the bully and you stand up for the bully and like hey that's not kind you shouldn't say that it's like well he deserves it well okay yeah. but let me ask you this do it anyway I'm going to, uh, now there's another side of the thing where, mm-hmm. man, you're really good friends with somebody, you know, and they're just, they're continuously venting to you and, and saying things like that. And you're, you're meek in the world's eyes, which means, man, you're such a good listener. Mm-hmm. You're not ruffling feathers. Yeah. You're loving them well, the way they want to be loved, mm-hmm. but then you'd never switch it to the truth. You got to speak truth and love. Right. That's, that's not meekness. That's weakness. When mm-hmm. you sit there and don't say anything and just, well, that's just how they are. Well, you're not really loving them. Yeah, what are you afraid of? Yeah. Just saying, like, I hear you, but what you're saying is not right. Like, here's what God's Word says, and, like, you you actually probably need to repent of how you're thinking. I would think that'd have to be hard. I mean, that's probably your your hardest job, right? Is, yeah, as a counselor, there's <laughs> people that, that all day long. <laughs> I was about to say, there's, there's people that come in, and you yeah. have to be loving mm-hmm. and understand where they're coming from, but at the same time, you have to switch to, you have to, the, point out the, sin, to yeah. the boldness of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you do that in a way of like I'm telling you this because this is what honors God and this is actually what will be loving for you. Exactly, like, repentance is going to bring freedom. It's not loving for me to sit here and tell you that it's okay you feel that way. It's not. I understand why you feel that way, but it doesn't mean it's okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, know? I gotta write that down. Well, in the same way, like when you don't want to treat people with love who are treating you wrongly. You say, well, this they're not going to repent. They're not going to change. But you're not doing it for them. Mm-hmm. Like the way you treat them, God is seeing as right. the way you would treat him. And right. so by, by you know, mm-hmm. being unforgiving or unrepentant towards them, you're, you're right. basically, you know, spitting in the face of the God who's mm-hmm. forgiven you so much. And you don't know. That's the other side. Like you're not God. You have no idea if they'll repent or not. Well, I just think. Or change. I think it's important, though, to to understand what your primary motive is exactly because if you're motivated by them changing mm-hmm. and you know deep down you can't help them change mm-hmm. you're gonna run out of motivation yeah now when you're motivated by pleasing god 
and mm-hmm. you understand that everything you do is seen by God, mm-hmm. even your thoughts and your and your your deepest secrets, your mm-hmm. secret thoughts, the Bible says, then you're going to never run out of motivation because mm-hmm. God sees all that and he can attribute everything you do to others as if to him and as spiritual worship, Romans mm-hmm. 12, 1. So that's such a bigger motivation. Absolutely. And I agree with that 100%. Finally, I'm just saying, like something. I <laughs> no, I'm just saying, like if you are motivated by that, yeah, then you should speak the truth. And you, that is, those are the means by God that God does save and change people is through His people. So you, you also can't say, well, they'll never change. You don't know that, right? You never know. And you, you, who are changed. you? Who are you, God? <laughs> but that, that's the humility comes back too. Like God changed you. You right. were, you were that person at one point too. Yeah, and essentially you're saying like, well, I changed because I'm special, right? No, no, you're, no, you're no, no. God, God changed you. God had to do a miracle. Yeah, <laughs> and you, yeah. So is it likely that that person changes? No. Apart from the the miracle of God changing people, they they won't change. Right. But. Every time someone submits to Christ, it is a miracle, and you get to be a part of witnessing those yeah, miracles. Good point. Good and point. so, you don't know if they'll change or not. You have no idea, but that your motivation can't be to change them, like you said. Your motivation right. is to be faithful to the Lord, mm. and you trust God, whatever He does with that person. Yeah, but He might change them, and you should pray that He would change. Are you them. quoting Him? Quoting me? Yep. <laughs> wow. Give a devil quote. You didn't. You, you said say? it better. What did you say? That said the same exact thing. He he concised it. He's more meek. It. He's more meek when he when he speaks. So, <laughs> oh, so I was funny. agreeing with with Josh. That's why we got two guys on this podcast, right? Speaking to different audiences, I guess. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just kidding. No, that is funny. No, man, you because your motivation can't be to change them. Still working on my quote, but your motivation is to be faithful to the Lord. That's right. Which Josh Miller said that originally originally <laughs> well I'll, I'll be the first to give credit to <laughs> josh <laughs> all right a little i'll put your name first chad walls josh, quoting chad. josh miller that's, right. that's like that uh i have a coffee mug somebody gave me it broke but I used oh to i know it. what you're talking about it was a michael scott it's yeah. like he quotes wayne gresky this is wayne gresky michael, michael scott, scott. <laughs> <laughs> all right well yeah. any final thoughts on i this think this is topic? this is i mean maybe you could what does your Bible say about inherit the earth? Because I'll be honest, I studied this. I did not get a great um, understanding. Well, this is from, well, R.C. Sproul was the main editor. but there's Right, a, there's so he's going to have a different view on this than John MacArthur. But there's is. a bunch of other editors here. And then, uh, oh, I'm in the wrong. Hold on, i got to get back to Matthew. I'm in Luke. So inheriting the earth, if you look down through the Beatitudes, they're, all the Beatitudes are spiritual. And all of the blessings or the rewards that come mm. from them are spiritual. So then we get this quote from Inheriting the Earth, which is directly from Psalm yeah. 3711. Uh, R.C. Sproul, which he has a bunch of other editors too, so it may not be him exactly. But I don't know who made this quote. But it says here in the notes, The ultimate fulfillment of the promise to Abraham, whom Paul calls heir of the world, is what uh, it says under Inherit the Earth. So... It's just bringing us back to the covenant promise that the meek will inherit the earth. Those who are faithful, those who trust the Lord are the ones who will have eternal life and ultimately inherit the earth when Christ returns yeah. and all that stuff. You'll so. get everything you've ever wanted, mm-hmm. assuming your desires are aligned with God's, mm-hmm. if you're meek. Yeah. If you're a Christian, yeah. and Christians are meek, so you will inherit the earth yeah. as well. And, I, and my closing thought is, I think this is, the Beatitudes are awesome in every regard every one of them but this one when it comes to the conduct and character of a christian understanding meekness rightly 
I think it's very important. Yeah. And it, you, I'll say my final thought is that you can't get to meekness without a porn spirit and a mournful spirit. That's right. These, they're adding on to each other. Yeah. He's, he's broadening the picture of mm-hmm. a disciple. He starts in the heart and the porn spirit and he broadens it a little bit to their emotions to be mournful of their sin and the sin in the world. Mm-hmm. And now he's broadening a little more to see how we, think about ourselves in relation to God and other people. Mm-hmm. And so we're seeing a little bit more and he's going to keep widening the lens on what a Christian looks like. Right. Yeah. I like the the back end of that, that Psalm 37, because it says, but the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace because they're delightful because they have the peace that they already know the outcome. Mm-hmm. Like because of that outcome now, now I have the peace exactly. that doesn't mm-hmm. force me to try to do it. It hasn't been else. fully realized yet. But they have it because they know it's coming. It's like if someone were to tell you, you just inherited a million dollars. Right. You don't know when it's coming, but you're going to live a lot differently that day Mm -hmm. knowing that it's coming at some point. Right. Right. You know, same way if someone tells you you're going to die tomorrow, you're going to live a lot different, even Mm -hmm. though you got time. Mm -hmm. That's good. That's a good way to sum it up. (laughs) All right. Well, thanks for listening, guys. Next week. Thanks for having me again. Maybe Dick will show up. Maybe not. We maybe don't know. not. Who knows? Hey, but it'll be great if he does. That's right. Or if he doesn't. <laughs> Later. Thank you for listening to the Change Up Podcast. This podcast is made possible by The Field Church in Mandeville, Louisiana. If you don't have a home church, please come check us out. We have service times at 845 and 1045 on Sundays, and you can find more information at thefieldnola.com. If you found this podcast to be helpful, please share it with a friend or family member and rate and review on Apple Podcasts. This helps other people just like you find us.